Today's guest is Kobe Nechestan from Israel. It was actually one of the homies in our Homeopathy Hangout Facebook group who told me about Kobe's interesting work, and I was so grateful for the introduction because today's interview is really fascinating. So I wanted to take a quick opportunity to invite you to join our Facebook group if you haven't already. It's called Homeopathy Hangout, and it's a great opportunity to chat with fellow listeners about past episodes and to suggest new guests for our show like Kobe. So Kobe has been interested in natural ways of healing since he was a teenager. He's not only a homeopath, but he's also trained in Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, and Tibetan medicine. Today, he'll be sharing with us how our physical symptoms are an expression of an imbalance in our subconscious and how we can use homeopathy to help us grow to reach a level of growth and maturity to help us heal these subconscious imbalances, which then leads to better physical health. So we're hoping to do a follow-up episode for you in a couple of months with a bit more in-depth information on all of this. So do keep an eye out for that episode and make sure that you join the Facebook group for more information. To find out more about Kobe, you can visit www.kobynehushtan.co.il. That's K-O-B-Y-N-E-H-U-S-H-T-A-N.co.il or check the show notes. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we speak with Kobe Nechustan from Israel. I hope I said that right. Yes, you did. <laughs> welcome, Kobe. <laughs> now, you have a really cool meaning behind your surname. you got to have to tell our listeners about that. My name, Nechustan, means the snake in the Bible, which Moses uh, built up whenever the people did something wrong and they was bitten by a snake or a, or a spider or a scorpion, and whoever washed the snake eyes become cute. And since then, the symbol of two snakes and an arrow in between is Nehushtan. In the Bible, it's the first uh, reference we have in the history about homeopathy which the story says that uh, Moses is throwing bitter wood into a bitter water, and the water becoming sweet. And the Kabbalah scripture speaking about this story from the point of view of the God method of how to cure the individual, differentiating by man cure, which is God cure through cure, which means God cure through bitter into bitter, and the water becoming sweet. And it's the first reference we have in the historical scripture, which are exactly as we're practicing it right now. So the name Yehushtan basically hold or encapsulated the meaning of homeopathy in its very basic terminology that likes cues like. That is seriously cool. It sounds like you were des <laughs> destined to be a homeopath even before you were born. <laughs> I haven't planned that, but the, <laughs> this is how it appeared to be. <laughs> so tell us, Kobe, how were you first introduced to homeopathy? My first engagement with homeopathy, when it, was, it was when I was 14. I came across an article in the paper which blew my mind at the time. The title of the article was, The Water Can Remember. And I was shook by this idea that water can remember. I have read this article several times, and since the time, on the age of 14, the mystery of how, in which way, the water can recall information was struck my mind and since the time i was drinking water with the feeling that most probably the water contains some more information which i'm nourished by that information and i was trying to detect whether i can feel whether can i see myself any kind of a, a change after a glass of water to see if that water that glass of water contains some information which was hidden after some time i dropped this kind of awareness and then at the age of 16 i came across the urban of medicine of animal sixth edition and I was trying to search in the book at that time the answer for the question, in which way the water can recall knowledge. I couldn't find in that book that time. It was too complex, too difficult to understand, and I couldn't uh, uh, get the answer for this question. What is the procedure or the mechanism of the water who can recall knowledge? And this question from the age of 14 stuck my mind, still my mind, to this very day, the mechanism of the universe that the water can recall knowledge. The main question which, which I had at the time is what is the quality of the knowledge which water can remember and what is the quantity to which, to which degree what is the amount of information which water can recall 
Later on, I came to America team when I was approximately 25. I was studying acupuncture, and then in that four program, there was also some seminars of homeopathy, which was included. Then I came more deeply into it, again, with the question, how water can remember? Then at the age of 26, 7, I met Joshua Lucas. And since then, this is what I'm doing. I saw him, we have a talk in Israel. Later on, he declared that he have a four-way program in Greece. And then uh, I took that program. And since then, this is the main thing which I'm doing. I'm doing homeopathy. As a result of meeting George Turkas, who was a teacher to this very day, is uh, some, yeah. somebody who is quite an amazing individual. He was the one who opened up the door for me to practice homeopathy as I'm doing right now. The question of how water can remember is a question which is still have a mystery behind it. Although in the many years of investigations through either scientific approach or either through spiritual Kabbalah, scripture, and Eastern scripture and so on, there is some history here which remains still, I would say, unrevealed. It's really an amazing thing. The mechanism of the water which can encapsulate knowledge to a degree which would shift the human organism. Later on, I was evolving in my own website. I was teaching myself homeopathy. I was trying to show how every remedy starts basically with the sensation and print or the vital force within the water. I have divided every remedy into four categories in which the first category of how remedy produces an impact is because of the changeability of the vital force and the way the vital force is recalled within the water. Which means, although I evolved system of analysis of the remedy through four degree, where the first part will be vital force, dynamic mechanism, and then it will lead into physical symptom, and then it will lead automatically into emotional changes, and then the fourth degree will be how the mind form an attitude which give reasoning and explanation to the inner changes, mm. which means four level to the remedy. Nevertheless. The question in which way water can recall knowledge, what is the quantity of the knowledge, and the vastness of the knowledge remains still a mystery, though I am still with this investigation for many years. From the age of 14 until now, right now I'm 55, which means for the last 41 years, <laughs> this question is still occupies my mind. And... I say humbly so that the answer is not... You know how synchronicity works because just this morning I interviewed Veda Austin, who is a lady in New Zealand, and she photographs water. And she's put out some incredible work. And amongst things, she's also put homeopathic remedies in water and then photographed it. But she says that she's grappled with that same question. And she actually puts a Petri dish of water next to her bed while she's sleeping at night. And then the next morning, she'll freeze it. And her dreams will actually crystallize in the water. It's just, it's mind-blowing. I, I've seen also this many these experiments. But again, what is the mechanism behind it? The mechanism mm. of how, what is the quality? behind the water we can have exactly. this kind of a quality of remembrance this is something which remains to me still a mystery it absolutely does yeveda mentioned about the water that's actually in the air around us and it's transmitted that way because i was wondering if bruce lipton talks about the hydrogen bonds between the water molecules which sends the information but it's i don't know it's just it's so fascinating it's absolutely fascinating yeah so that's you were so young to have thought about that question i can't think that i ever thought about things like that when i was 14 i was <laughs> I think to cooped up in my own world, but that's a very existential question to be asking at age 14, far out. It definitely set you up. I was going to ask, because you said you met George, actually George Wathulkas, actually before you started studying homeopathy. So were you at a lecture of his in Israel or how did you encounter him? He came to Israel to give some seminar and then I had the chance to have with him a chance in person, to meet him wow. in a personal level and to talk with him about several just general issues about life and about mm. where we are right now in the world. And something about this person, when him talk, and I heard a master speaks, basically. I heard that a real master is speaking about homeopathy, and it really blew my mind to, to hear him describe homeopathy. At that time, I was already a full petitioner in expansion, and when I saw him and I met him, I came to a certain kind of a junction in expansion where I felt that time that whatever can I reach, clinically speaking, with acupuncture, I came to some kind of a limit. I knew what it can do, I knew what it can do, and I felt that there is a limit here. And I was looking for other methods which will solve clinical issues which acupuncture could not. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And this is where I met with Turkas, and this is where I basically jumped into Mabati uh, until now. With all my vitality, <laughs> all my force, <laughs> and this is what I'm doing until that time. And did you go and now. study in Greece, or did you study online? No, it was in Greece. We, oh, you went, we, we to, went Greece to Greece for the four years? It was in a period, like twice a year, and in between we would oh, have lots okay. of uh, tasks to fulfill, and uh, I took it, yes, to a wonderful period. And I think George celebrated his 90th birthday this year, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what an amazing well, let us man. Let hope he will uh, continue. He's amazing man. <laughs> Absolutely. Far out. Now, I have to ask you, Kobe, what is homeopathy like in Israel? I put out the message in a few Facebook groups a few months ago because I really desperately want to find homeopaths from all areas of the world. And I was so excited when one of the listeners put me in touch with you. What is it like over there, Ken? Is it easy to access homeopathy? Do people use it? What is the general feel about mm-hmm. it? Is it part of the public health system? Give us the goss. <laughs> well, uh, I think I think uh, the condition of empathy in Israel is different than in Europe or in uh, Australia or in uh, the States. We have the debates with the conventional medicine or the conventional uh, authority about the legalization of empathy and about whether it's scientific or not. It's a continuous argument which we have through the dawn of homeopathy until now, I don't think here is different in any part of the world. We have many homeopaths as a matter of fact. If the public people would like to be treated in the health system, they can have also homeopaths over there. There are some uh, hospitals in which they have department of alternative medicine, especially when it comes to geriatric department or cancerous department. Over there, they will have uh, alternative medicine uh, which will help to some release of symptoms. They will have over there as well a homeopaths who work there uh, who already have some statistics and some capacity to show in which way some remedies can help to some symptomatology in cancer recovery after chemotherapy. They, although they work through a palliative method, nevertheless, uh, mm-hmm. they are into the system. If uh, people are interested, but they will have all their websites and all the information about how to approach homeopaths, I think it's quite popular. It's quite popular. It's quite out there. I don't think anybody who, my experience, of course, it's uh, throughout, since it began, alternative medicine until now, it's always w- was through uh, mouth to ear. It was never through publicity. Nevertheless, uh, I would say that we have here a large group of community who work together. Last week, we had a, a congregation meeting, which gets done, gets done once a week, uh, once a year. We have uh, activities in the congregation. Where we give seminars and we share knowledge. It's quite an alive, alive uh, community. We have several schools here in Israel who is uh, teaching homeopathy for the last oh, you do uh, have I would say 40 school. years. Okay. Yes. For 40 years? Yes. Amazing. Uh, and it's quite a live thing. Yes, I would say it's definitely a live thing. Wow, that's interesting. And uh, I was just going to clarify. So are you saying that there within the hospital there is like a wing for alternative medicine and you say it's more palliative but there may be a homeopath in that area? Yes. Wow. See, what happened was in the Israeli health system, they have, they differentiate it in a way which you will pay some a monthly fee, which is not so much, it's quite low, but nevertheless, by that, you will have a health security. And the health insurance. I would say, that's right. And approximately 20 years ago, uh, the medical conventional system totally, nowadays and those days, were totally against the early idea about what is alternative medicine because of the debate whether it's scientific or not. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, it came out from the people. The public demands it. And then it came to a degree of demand where the congressional dynamic could not refuse it anymore because of economic. Because if they will not come, if they will not come to us, they will go to people outside of our system. As a result, they began to evolve against the philosophical ideas against their, their feelings, against their attitude about them, they began to evolve the possibility to be treated through homeopathy in the, under their own umbrella, so to say, which was a kind of a conflict from their eyes, but nevertheless, they did it because of the interest of economics. So the public by, Yes, and as the time uh, get by, also in the hospital, they saw that there is a demand within the hospital to be treated by homeopathy. As a result, they allow homeopathy to be a part of a palliative dynamic where the conventional doctors are controlling it or observing it. Or when it comes to chemotherapy or to some kind of other diseases, which will be treated mainly through conventional medicine alongside homeopathy. 
So as the year went by, we have more and more homeopaths who give a kind of a statistics. In which way, for example, Nax Vomica will take away vomiting after chemotherapy. Mm. Which degree? In which way, Ipeca, Kipirikwana, will take away nausea in female which are pregnant, we have also diabetes within pregnancy, and so on and so So we have a whole statistics of remedy which is more palliative, but nevertheless, they are done throughout the observation and the prison-like mind of the conventional medicine. That makes me so excited because we have none of that here in Australia. And I don't know what you guys, obviously your general public there are just more, I don't know, standing up for their rights a bit more or something, but the Aussies here are very complacent and we need more of them standing up and demanding that we have natural medicines as part of our public health system. And if it's palliative in hospital, that's fine. I'll take that. We just get our foot in the door and we can always go from there because a few years or even if it takes a couple of decades, whatever, if we can get our foot in the door help these people in palliative care, let them have their chemo drugs if they want. We'll give them homeopathics alongside so that we can get our statistics up and then down the track show evidence of how homeopathy has been able to help and then we can get our foot a little bit more in the door. And But I feel like we need to start making those little baby steps into the conventional system and supporting homeopathy, like using homeopathy to support people who want to go the mainstream way because if we don't do that in 20, 50, 100 years' times, we'll still be where we are now. But we need to make those little baby steps over here. So you're getting me very excited by, yeah, well, saying this. The, the condition in Israel is that we are here, a very small country with not too many population, which means it's a very condensed and intense country where the majority knows the majority. At the end of the day, we are all like one gang. So if there is a certain kind of a wavelength in the people, then there will be too many people who ask for for example, for homeopathy, the conventional system would not be able to refuse it because it's a friend of a friend, it's a cousin of the cousin. At the end of the day, we're like a, a kind of a matrix. Like everybody's connected. Absolutely. Uh, it produces a certain kind of an influence that if the majority will require a certain kind of a treatment, for example, mm. the rest, even they are totally against it, won't be able to refuse it. Exactly. And homeopathy is so cost-effective. We could be saving taxpayers billions of dollars by introducing homeopathy into the public health system. That's the part that really frustrates the hell out of me is we can save so much money by using homeopathy and that money can then go into better education and paying our public servants better or anything else. But that's a topic for another day. So it's interesting that you came from that acupuncture background as well, because there's a few other homeopaths like Hilary Dorian and I think Ian Watson and a few others that came from that acupuncture background as well. And a lot of them have said they got to a point where they felt a little bit stuck and then homeopathy gave them the answer that they needed. But of course, actually having that acupuncture background, do you find that has really helped inform you and really complemented your homeopathic studies? Just before entering into this question, I would like to share with you that last June I was concluding a four-year program in Spain about acupuncture, where, which I was conducting a four-year program of uh, a whole series of acupuncture teaching, where the main theme of that uh, four-year program was what we call the Tower of the Point. Tower of the Point means that you uh, have the detective diagnostic method, how to come to understanding what is the junction where you are right now in your life, either physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And then to choose one point only, which one point, this one point is described by its name, and the point is describing through the name the junction where you are spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Then you give only, you apply only one point, and that point basically opens up the life into a new field. It's called the Tower of the Point system, which is the origination of acupuncture through the scripture. The scripture of acupuncture originally described this method, and later on through the ages, there were more and more layers of how to apply it, which means what we did in this four-year program was the homeopathic version in acupuncture, how to choose one point alone, which the name of the point will describe where you are existentially, mm-hmm. and will open up the door for the continuity of the evolution of the flow of life to the next stage, which is a kind of a homeopathic thinking. I did a whole cycle where I began originally... As a matter of fact, I began my journey as a healer by what we call healing. I was treating people through uh, transmitting energy through my hands when I was 17. Uh, I began to be a healer when I was 17 already. Wow. Uh, I had a clinic when I was already 19. Uh, and then I, I introduced to acupuncture when I was 21. Then I was studying that basically because of the interest about the range of the possibilities which it gives. 
And then when it came to endomepathy, of course, the knowledge which I had in the background about the human organism, how did this guide to the point of view of the meridian system or healing system, the chakra system, it was there. And then as a result, I continued to evolve further. Right now, the main thing which I'm doing, as I was sharing with you before, as a result of the accumulation of all this knowledge, I formed. As a matter of fact, it began to be formed already when I was a teenager. As a matter of fact, but it was gradually, on a very, very gradual level, it, it continued to collect information from all different kind of sources, either Eastern, Western, ancient, new, whatever. And gradually it came into a system in which I have analyzed, dissect the human organism, which came down even to the cellular dynamic and, the, and into the biochemical dynamic of the organism. Not to mention, of course, the organs, the kidney, heart, function of the senses, the function of the hormone system, the nervous system, and so on. And how each system, organ, that which comes down to the cellular biochemical changes in the body, as a matter of fact, a shadow-like representation of emotional and spiritual dynamic which came beforehand, which somatizing itself into the human organism. Where the human organism at the end of the day is the end result of some dynamic which began several stages beforehand, which end up in the way the human organism is formed and appear right now. And what is important? Because whenever we see a very simple symptom, for example, you see a symptom, a, a lower back pain which radiates to the right foot, or you get a stomach pain after food, mm. after you eat a food, any kind of food, or you have a phlegm after having drinking a milk and so on. All these symptoms are not physically based. They are not physically based. They are the physically based symptoms which we see in the clinic, all of them throughout the range. Uh, right now, I don't have the full capacity to open up why, why I say it in this kind of a totality manner, but they stand behind the statement. Throughout the range, all the physical symptoms are not physical. They are the end result of spiritual mind emotion dynamic, which, became, which came beforehand, which ends up in the symptom. Which means there is a possibility in which in the clinic a, a person will tell you, look, I'm having a migraine of so and so kind, and that's it. And he will not be able to elaborate more than that, which mm -hmm. means he won't be able to elaborate about what he feels, the way of life he lived, which led to a migraine and so on. Nevertheless, the symptom and the way the symptom appear will tell you the whole story, which the person cannot tell. And... Why is that? Why, in which way we have that capacity to translate physical symptom into an emotional mind or spiritual reality? It's because body-mind connection work in such a dynamic in which once a person is going through certain kind of experiences and the person does not have within him or her the inner capacity to relate to that experience, or to digest it from the point of view of emotional understanding. Immediately, this kind of an experience will transmute, will translate it into physical symptom, who is correlated to the emotional dynamic, which was unable to be met or to be recognized or to be worked out. Which means the body works in such a way that once a person is unable to go through certain kind of a, an emotional challenge, that challenge will be Automatically speaking, because of body-mind connection, the psychosomatic dynamic will be automatically become physical to the correlated organ or system or cellular dynamic to represent and hosting this emotional, mind, spiritual dynamic. And by the symptom and where it is located in the body, and how it feels to the patient, for example, sharp pain, tingling pain, hot pain, and so on, what we call peculiarities in neuropathy, mm -hmm. all this will give us the reality which produces that symptom which the person cannot elaborate. Now, why the person can't elaborate? Because that was the origination of the dynamic who led to physical symptom. The person was in a facing kind of a challenge in which the person could not face that challenge. As a result, the experience somatized into the co-related physical organ, which encapsulate that experience until the person becomes more mature, more ready to be able to face that challenge. Which means the physical symptoms, what we call the subconscious dynamic of the human organism, 
the unconscious dynamic demon organism with all the symptoms throughout the range, the unconscious of the things which somatize from emotional dynamic to the physical dynamic, waiting for the person to grow, to become more prepared, more with maturity. Once the person evolves that maturity, the symptoms will become cured. The symptoms will become transformed from physical symptom into something else. And this is where the remedy becomes so important. The remedy, if you understand this dynamic, uh, and then how to find a remedy to correlate to the emotional dynamic which stands behind the physical symptom, this is the remedy which as well, alongside recovering the symptom, also will lead to the growth and the maturity which is acquired from the person to be able to become more, I would say, with the inner capacity to go through certain kind of an emotional offenses and to continue further the life. Which means all the knowledge which gradually throughout life, uh, in a very gradual manner, yes, I began when I was very young, I was began, I began this journey when I was 16. In the last, I would say, 25 years or so, I began to evolve this system, which brings many teeth, purified it with you. I took away the cultural dynamic, which is within the language of uh, the vocabulary of how to describe the organs and the meaning of the organs and so on. Mm. And I brought the clinical uh, purity, so to say, in, in, in to combine different systems and in which way different systems basically saying the same truth about human organism and how it dissects the human organism in such a way which uh, at the end of the day when you we see a symptom that seems to be very simple again in, in the way i see it the way my mind the way i see it through this system is that the truth in its totality encapsulated in the most simple things there's a beautiful book of an indian lady can't remember the, her name the, the title of the book was the god of the simple detail god the way i can't remember <laughs> so i can't remember that's okay uh, how God appears in the small, insignificant details. And I believe it's so. If you take a symptom who is very simple, uh, that you will uh, ignore because it's not so significant, I would say over there, the totality of the truth are encapsulated within that symptom. And again, we're having right now our teachings, a whole system which analyze that and show how to address this question and how to unfold it and how to make it something which is practical and tangible and easy to understand. Is that book by Christian Bandia? There's a God of the Details, the scientific cover-up of intelligent de- design. It's not that one. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly, Kobe, you have just like unpacked some seriously mind-blowing stuff. I had to really try to keep up with everything. That, you can tell that you have been doing this for a long time because you just spouted a whole bunch of very complicated ideas very quickly. So I am going to just, can we just take a moment to unpack this a little bit? And for any of the listeners who just had their mind blown like me, I just want to just break it down a little bit. So you saying basically that if, say for example, like we know that if you drink milk, it increases mucus production. And that's why often when you've got a cold or something like that, they say to avoid milk because it increases mucus production. But you're saying if you're drinking that milk and you have like mucus production after that, it's not actually a physical reason. There's actually an energetic or spiritual reason behind why that's happening. And are you saying that? Let me start, please, uh, Eugenie, with yeah. something which is more, more simple to understand. Yeah, give us uh, some examples because that's always a good way. Yeah. Because if we, when we take it to a food allergies, it's a bit more complex because in our teachings, we have as well a sect of food allergy and what is the psychological meaning behind the reasoning why a person would be more sensitive to milk or to nuts or to peanuts or to, to mm-hmm. strawberries and so on. Uh, which is, again, is a vast uh, teachings because every food has an emotional, mind, and spiritual quality behind that, which means once you're becoming allergic to a food, it will show uh, to what you are sensitive to from the point of view emotions, mind, and spiritual. Therefore, when a person is a milk, when, when there is a, a milk sensitivity, it shows milk represents the archetype of a mother, motherhood feeling which means especially cow milk. Whenever there is sensitivity to cow, cow milk, any kind of dairy products, it shows that the person have an issue about a motherly connection. Maybe, and what is the motherly connection which most probably was not there, or was not there to the person's requirements, emotional needs, that thing has to be a question in the clinic. However, we 
By that, we already understand that there is what we call a mother issue behind that topic of milk sensitivity. And this is true to any kind of food which a person will become allergic to, like wheat, gluten, for example, yeah. celiac. Uh, it's a very wide range of topic. If you want, we can have another talk yeah, about that. Yeah. <laughs> but right now, we'd like to focus more about the mind, emotions, spiritual meaning behind a symptom who is more common, for example. Uh, and to show you how it works, how did this uh, system work? You take, for example, a typical sore throat. Mm-hmm. can be because of a flu, can be because of a milk sensitivity, can be because of corona, a virus infection, and so on. Why the person having the representation in his organism of a sore throat? Why? Because the throat is the area in the body which produces emotional communication. So whenever we have tonsillitis, Mm-hmm. or infection in the throat, or maybe even goiter, swelling mm-hmm. of the right gland. All this will show that the person has a difficulty to express and to share and to talk out his emotions. And over here, I emphasize emotions because the throat shows mainly emotional capacity to express emotions, or how the person is able to speak out his emotions. If a person, for example, have tonsillitis, and the pain is more, for example, on the right side indicates in our system practical approach to reality, and left side represents absorption, experiential, the need to stay with experience, which means if there is more tonsillitis who is swell and painful on the right side, it indicates that the person is facing the challenge or in a practical manner in which way you're communicating yourself and find it to be an obstacle. If it, will be, if it will be on the left side, it will be in which way you can communicate yourself with others and allow the others to communicate themselves to you and to relate to what they feel. So over here we see duality of emotional exchange either by being able to talk out your emotions, which will be the right side, mm-hmm. being able to receive from others emotional dynamic, which will be on the left side. And by that, you can understand in which way clinically to approach it. Now, if you take, for example, sinusitis, you know this block, or there is a polyps, which is very common in children, or adenoids, there is a a lack of capacity to smell. What is the nose? The nose is the organ. This system I'm telling you right now is very, very vast. I'm giving you a quick rundown. But whenever we give these teachings, we have an introduction about the organs in which the there is a causation why the human organism appeared the way it appeared, which means the formation of the human organism is not accidental mm. and is not only genetics. It's also genetics, but not only genetics, which means the morphological dynamic of the way the nose appear uh, gives the indication what is your strategy, what is your way of how to balance yourself and to find yourself Mm. When it comes down to exterior communication, in which way you're communicating yourself with the exterior environment, either a social environment or a concrete environment of the climate. If the nose is blocked because of adenoids, poly, or some cities, it means that you don't want to communicate. It means that there is in you an aversion from the idea to communicating yourself to the outside environment. In the very majority of the cases, it's not be a climate it will not be a climate dynamic of it will, conventionally speaking, this is what they will say. You have energy to the spring, to mm-hmm. the fall. To... But as a matter of fact, once we have a blocked nose, can be because of phlegm, can be because of adenoids, it will be because of refusal to engage either in your family environment or in your social environment because of some difficulty of social dynamic on which you can't find yourself into it. As a result, the nose is responsible, organically speaking, to find the right balance between your kind of vitality or energy alongside the others becoming blocked. So, which means whenever we see nose which is blocked, either in children or in adults, we see it represents an inner life which is very sensitive, very delicate, which can't find itself when it comes to social engagement, which means the remedy that we will give, we will take this into consideration, not so much if there is denoids or policy and so on. Mm. We will take more into consideration that there is an individual who is very sensitive, which for him, engagement with people 
can be offending, can be with a hurt feeling, can be with he become she or he becoming damaged emotionally whenever they have to go outside themselves and to be in a communicative manner. As a result, the physical somatization is blocked nose who represent that emotional dynamic. But the remedy will have to include within it the inner reality of which the symptom represents. Now here, there is a thing which I would like to say it once more. Many people who have physical symptoms will address to you as a therapist the physical symptoms without the emotional reality behind it. This is the reason why it was turning into a physical symptoms. Mm. Because there is an emotional challenge which they cannot address at the moment. As a result, body took the symptom and somatized it into a physical symptom that indicates that emotional challenge. Which oh. means what I'm saying is that in the clinic, the very majority of the patients can't even see in themselves this difficulty. And this is how human organism is operate to avoid if the human organism will have on a daily basis to give to give inner feedback or inner reflection about the emotional challenges which you're facing day by day, a person mm. won't be able to continue further his life. It's too difficult. As a result, of becoming physical. And the physical body uh, preserve these challenges until you become mature enough, until you become, uh, I would say, with the capacity to be able to face these issues in a way which is progressive. So what I'm saying is that in our way of thinking, once we see a physical symptoms and the person cannot elaborate anything about himself from the point of view of emotions, in this case, I have very often a person who can look, whatever I'm coming to you, leave emotional aside, I don't have them. Leave my mind, I'm okay. The only thing which is coming to you is because my nose of is nose. stuffed because of, cig- <laughs> because of cigarettes. I already know from my way of thinking that this person is a very highly sensitive individual, which for him, social engagement produces emotional hurt. Mm. And even though he will not be able to elaborate that, I will include this into the analysis of the remedy. So then I, when we give that homeopathic remedy then, so what you're saying is what you know because of this knowledge that you've gained of what the physicality in the body represents on an emotional level, and you then give that homeopathic remedy that's informed from that knowledge, the homeopathic remedy will then address the emotional issue that was the problem yes. in the first place? Okay. Yeah, so you have to. So the homeopathic remedy then. So it's not actually suppressing any of that emotions. Like it's actually. As a matter of fact, it addresses reality in in the patient, which even the patient can recognize at the moment. We'll allow for the patient a a kind of a maturity to later on deal with the issues. Which at the moment he can't. As a result, it becoming a physical somatization symptoms. Oh, I got you. Yeah. So that remedy, because I was just thinking if that blocked nose was due to them not wanting to interact with their partner or something like that, then they still have to learn that lesson at some stage. So it's not like the remedy is taking away that lesson that they have to learn, but the remedy is maturing them so that they can yes. then deal with that lesson that needs to be learned. Yes, you hit the point. The main point is if you would give a remedy, for example, just to take away the flame on the nose, Mm. Uh, there's a woman and uh, she finds her, her partner to become very offensive. As a result, the nose becoming blocked. Why? Mm. Because she can't share her vitality with his vitality mm. and kind of a mutuality. We should, should live together. The nose becoming blocked. If you would give a remedy which just take away the flame from the nose, forcing the nose to, to remain open, although she feeling this kind of sensitivity, this is what I call repressive treatment because the hurt is going to manifest in the organ in the body. If you will give a remedy which, because of this knowledge, you understand she's suffering from threatening or offensive relationship, and you will give a remedy which includes that thing as well, although she can't elaborate, she will say, yes, we, me and him, we are happily living ever after and so on. This is not the truth. The truth is the symptom have another story to tell. The mm-hmm. symptom tell another story which she will not. She will tell, look, I'm living with him happily ever after. Mm-hmm. He bring me so, and I bring it to him so. The symptom give another indication. The symptom says that she suffer through offense, or maybe she feels threatened by him, and she won't be able to admit that because of many reasons. The main reason is again requires a certain kind of maturity to be able to see herself and mm-hmm. to address it. And the remedy, if it will address the emotional meaning which the symptom encapsulated in it. 
then it will also lead later on to the kind of maturity she required to open up her really uh, inner reality into a space in which she can communicate it and work it out with partner. Oh, that's beautiful. This dynamic basically is a dynamic which also has to be learned through what we know as a homeopath, the hearing law. Because the hearing law mm. speaks another vocabulary in which we don't. Hearing law says that uh, the right kind of disease, the right kind of recovery will be from the inner to the outer, from higher to lower, from the middle to the extremities. We say another way of view where whenever you feel something emotional and these emotions are undressed by you consciously, it will go into physical symptoms. Mm. Which means the physical symptoms in its all range of, of formation are as a matter of fact, an emotional dynamic which never addressed, mm. which never answered. Which over here we see a, a duality of how human organism has worked through body-mind, which is a bit different than, than the hearing law. And mm. Maybe we will have another time in which we will open up the keys to understanding and I will show you the subtleties and in which way the hearing law and the body-mind psychology have another kind of dynamic, another kind of rules, how to understand. I would say that our system that give a whole explanation, very thorough, very... Nothing in our net of understanding is missing, I would say. <laughs> Always there is more to, to have with more clarity, but the, the very basic things for a full understanding is there, is the very clear description that gives a very clear analysis to the emotional dynamic, which was the origination of any physical symptom, mm. and how it will uh, shift from emotion into physical and vice versa, Mm. And in which way it's differentiating itself from the hearing law? Where is the way it is a, a bit different? It's very, this at least is very important to understand. Because if, as you go into clinical uh, dynamic, where hearing law will appear as a progressive or aggressive treatment, mm. and when it shows the progression of the person to be able to become mature enough. Again, when I say mature enough, what stands behind that is the basic understanding that you are here for a reason. Human life, by definition, is not an accidental phenomenon. It's not because it happened phenomenon. Mm. There is a reason why you are here, any individual, given individual. There is a reason why you are here. And the reason why you are here has in it certain kind of a life dynamic which also involved things that you will have to go through. Mm. And also it will go alongside that, the reason why you look the way you look. The way you look also, from the point of view of the morphological dynamic of your body, is also a dynamic that holds in it the causation and the reason why you are here. And if the reason why you are here find an obstacle to fulfilling itself, this is where you will have an emotional challenge. Which means the symptoms that you will have, as a matter of fact, all of them throughout the range, there are a clues, there are signposts, which starts with the origin why you are here, and the lack of fulfillment of that origination. And this dynamic is a dynamic which is not fully addressed by the hearing law. It's uh, more addressed by the principle of body-mind somatization, mm -hmm. as I was explaining before. The system that we are evolving the last, let's say, 20 years, uh, the origination of the system, what originated the thinking behind this way of thinking is that you have a reason why you're here. As a result, there is for you a path, which is an individual path. And if that path is fulfilling itself, there will be no symptoms. Mm -hmm. And if this path is unfetched by you, there will be a symptoms. And the symptoms will show to you like a mirror-like where the path is stagnated, where it's blocked. What are the symptoms? In many cases, it also give you the information what has to be done, the work which you should do, mm. the kind of inner work you should do to take away the obstacle. Inner work has many varieties of how to approach it, but one of the basic ways of how to approach inner work, I would say with homeopathy, it can't work. Why? Because homeopathy allows 
the maturity which later on allows the person to have faults in the inner work people who lie on the coach of psychology for 20 years or so yeah and yeah we know about the complexity the old details but nothing have changed mm. for guys like nothing mm. has changed every homeopath has uh, stories like that of a cl- client yes, coming to see once you. once you give the remedy once you give the what the remedy does it allows the inner work to have food so over, mm. over here empathy mm. is very important to the journey to the journey of a human life and, and the symptom from the point of view of empathy will give you the clues where the journey is basically stagnated mm. and also the symptom will encapsulate the ways the symptom is in a symptom uh, the knowledge of the inner work which the person has to do because of the location and the formation and the sensation and the appearance of the symptom all that will, will give you the indication about the inner work which has to be done that is so interesting I'm almost too scared to ask you because I was just thinking as you're saying I'm thinking I have no symptoms I must be in alignment but I do have this left hip that's been annoying me it's feeling I had a big fall on it a few years ago when I was mountain boarding <laughs> but it's just this left hip <laughs> and I know I think is it the left side that's feminine and the right side is masculine and one side is a right side about receiving and the left side about giving or something like that so I yes. think I'll have to go investigate, investigate my right hip <laughs> Oh, sorry, left hip. It's my left hip. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Do you find that people sometimes ask you if you're a mind reader or if you're psychic or something like that? Because you're obviously reading the symptoms of their body. And then do you ask them then if it's on the left? What I'm explaining to you right now have certain kind of uh, qualities, which always I reminding myself since the very moment I began to deal with this. And also... Uh, when I'm teaching, this is the first thing which I'm saying to my students about that, is that these teachings is not an academic teachings. Mm. It's not the, an, an academic university teachings, which means it's not a dry teaching. It's something which has two purposes. One is for you to have a mirror-like reflection where you are in your journey dynamic. And later on, it's also for you to have a clinical tool. And this knowledge is a knowledge which uh, what makes and allow it to grow, what prepares the ground for its continuity, for allow you to grow through this knowledge, mm. is the basic purity, the basic purity, which you need to have when it comes to this knowledge. Why? Because this knowledge uh, touches the root directly. And if there is an impure mind about the need, why to have this knowledge? To manipulate the other, to have mm. tricks on the other, to have power on the other, mm. to do mind game on the other, then this knowledge automatically blocked. This knowledge automatically will not evolve. It will fade away from your fingers. You will find it very dry, very boring. And many people in our culture, they seek for this kind of quicker. Uh, quick things like how to read faces and how to read body language and so on mm. so they will have tools how to read the other and by that to manipulate the other i totally against it this is mm. something which uh, for me is totally against what i'm doing this teaching which i'm telling you right now they are opening only in one atmosphere in one space alone otherwise it won't be open at all i never made any usage out of it if you will once more it won't be able to evolve and the only field on which it's open, it's only in the clinic. This knowledge is really totally for the sake of evolving the others and allow the other to become more in touch with himself or herself. Mm-hmm. So the journey and the position why they are here, becoming once more open up. Because of any other reason you will do a usage of this, of this knowledge, the knowledge become closed, become dry, become meaningless. It will not work. It will not give you any real answer. This knowledge is a knowledge which originated from some sources which have certain kind of qualities. One of them is basic purity. And if this purity is not there, the knowledge automatically closed up, which means there is something here which is quite magical, as a matter of fact, and purity is a part of it. If there is no purity in your mind, why are you doing this, for what purpose, uh, where you will not use it. You will be tempted to use it, I don't know, to do some kind of things. If you will do this, the, the knowledge becoming detached from you, away from you. Wow. And again, this knowledge is for what for what purpose? When I say knowledge, to what I refer to existential knowledge that give you a reflection where you are in your journey, who relate to the causation why you are here, 
what happened in your life which did not allow that journey to continue further, and then how to unblock it, how to once more reconnect to the basic causation why you are here as human being. And the symptom, all about them, throughout the range, will, will show you a very precise mirror-like reflection where you are in your journey, the stages, and then what has to be done to take away the obstacle so the journey can continue further. Kobe, where so can we learn more about this? Here. Have you got any books or any courses? Like for the, is it just for homeopaths or is it for anyone that wants to learn this technique? Like, how can we find out more about that? I'm teaching this in Spain for the last ten years. Over here, I teach in Israel for the last, I would say, five years. I have my website around 250 articles about this. Oh wow! Which in Hebrew, unfortunately. Oh right. Yeah, that's right. Me, I keep forgetting that part. Me, uh, you, you gave me a challenge. How I to, have given you a challenge. Yeah, you need to get you. Yeah, you need to be able to get this in a book yeah, or a I format that we can use. This knowledge is for the homeopath, but more than that, is for any person who understands that human life is not an accidental phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Which means this knowledge is for everybody, for humanity, for the human race. It's not for, but as well for the therapist, either uh, homeopath or either other kind of therapy who will add this knowledge. They will be able to have what we call a shortcut to the very, very basic essence of mm. the causation. Why there's a human being? Why there's a symptom? And how, what is the meaning of the symptom? And then what it means about the person? And later on, the symptom usually also gives the understanding of how to relate it. Mm. In alternative medicine, if you take the whole range of alternative medicine, like from healing, Reiki, Shiatsu, acupuncture, mm. of course, homeopathy, the main thing which is lacking in our alternative medicine methods is the clarity of the mind. If you have clarity of the mind about the symptom, as Anaman was saying this, if the physician clearly perceives the things which has to be treated. So this clarity of mind about what is the point which has to be related to is the missing bit which in alternative medicine we are left. Once you have at any given field, no matter what you do, this clarity, very clarity about what is the condition of the person? Why the person evolve the symptoms? The symptom meaning what about the person? What they come to affect about the person? Mm-hmm. It will also give you automatically the inner tools how to address it, either through healing, expansion, and of course, homeopathy. Mm-hmm. So this knowledge is for anybody who is understanding that human life is not accidental. It has purpose and position. And the healing dynamic behind that is to allow the causation to appear in a full appearance in human life, which, of course, has as well certain kind of ramifications, which maybe we will do. Yeah, time. I'm thinking we definitely need a part two, three, and four. And I'm going to put the intention out there to the universe that somebody is going to be listening to this podcast and is going to reach out to you and translate all that Hebrew text into English and compile it into a book, which the rest of us can enjoy, because this is Absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for your time, Kobe. Can you quickly tell our listeners where they can get hold of your work? It will be in the show notes as well, but just how you'd like people to get in touch with you and the work that you do. There is my whole website over there. There is information about the mail. My mail is there. My phone is there. Anybody can send a, a mail or a WhatsApp to anywhere in the world. We having here in Israel uh, several uh, courses about the things which I explained shortly right now. These courses can be done anywhere in the world because of the Zoom and internet and the, how the world become a small village. So we can have either lectures or seminars which basically show or elaborates this path in a clear tangible manner and if anybody there out there who is listening to it who wants to get yeah get in touch the next stage please contact us i just quickly popped onto the back end of my podcast where it tells you the statistics and stuff and i've actually got i've had 23 listeners from israel this month So there are 23 listeners in Israel out there listening to this podcast. So hopefully we'll add a few zeros to that after this episode. <laughs> oh, that was it was so fun chatting with you, Kobe. My mind is literally blown. Thank you so much for your time. And I really look forward to speaking you. with you again. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.